Hello, Eric. Long time no speak. Happy New Year, Scott. Oh, yes. Happy New Year to you. And what a wonderful year it's shaping up to be already. <laughs> yeah, sarcastically. No, there was no sarcasm in that whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just going to go for it. Eric, can you tell me, can you name, or can or would it spring to mind, in, in your mind, if I was to ask you, can you can you give me any movies that remind me of you, uh, remind you of your youth? So, could you like, um, could you think of anything that would just pop up where you'd be like, oh yeah, that was kind of what it was like for me growing up. That was the period of time for me growing up, and that was like the location. Um, has that been represented in cinema for you? Like, uh, so I'm watching something, and I'm like, and I. Like it makes me think of my childhood, or yeah, it's like, or it's on screen, and it's like it's reminiscent of the place that I grew up. Kind of, yeah. I, I think a bit of a both, a bit of a both, because obviously, like we all as boys, I'm just speaking for us as boys, men now. Um, we all have like a shared commonality in our experiences growing up. Like the certain things that we all go through. You know what I mean? As guys yeah. growing up, yeah. Um, I think what I'm more specifically talking about is something that would make you feel nostalgic for your past. So you'd be like, oh yeah, this is just like where I grew up in California in, 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 you know, like in the fifties when you grew up, like you could be like, (laughs) um, you know what I mean? Like, do you have a movie where you, you, you'd sit down and watch it and be like, man, that takes me back. Uh, I mean, if one that, that just pops into my head, I'm gonna say, uh, pretty in pink. Oh my God. Just, just because I just, uh, I resonate so much with that character, Mm -hmm. uh, Ducky, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but then also it's, it's there living on the other side of the track sort of deal. So, Mm -hmm. so it's like, they're not, they're not, um, they're like lower middle class. The, and and literally they're on the other side of the tracks. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's that there is, um, there's the Eric Stoltz character, some kind of wonderful. Oh yes, um, yes. And then, and then, uh, uh, the the big one is Lloyd Dobler. Come on. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I'd, I I uh, say anything. Say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's can't funny. Relate to Lloyd Dobler. It, what's funny is I, I I do feel like over the years, um, so I like Say Anything. Like, don't get me wrong. I like that movie. I don't rank it as high as I do movies from that period. Um, for some reason, it never really clicked with me, and Cusack never really clicked with me. But it's weird. That I've always felt this pressure as somebody of my age and somebody who's into movies and as a guy who likes, you know, maybe like punk rock or whatever, I've always felt yeah. this weird like pressure to identify with him. <laughs> <laughs> because he's such a like he's such an iconic character um yeah, but i never yeah. i never gelled with him um eh. that's interesting but i, I mean will... that's just that yeah that's just off the top you know no totally and i get it and like i was kind of hoping you're going to say something else because i we, we can't talk about pretty and pink because i'm just going to spoil it right now um for our 100th episode you uh-huh. know for sure we're doing pretty and pink um <laughs> and it's going to be six hours long and it's going to be um, <laughs> the highlight of probably my entire life. <laughs> then so, we can just quit at that point. 
Yeah, because it's my all-time favorite movie. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> so we are going to do that. But we're going to save that, Eric. We can't talk about because I need we're, all of the precious knowledge from you for that episode. Yeah, yeah. Put a pin in it because I have my views and my ideology and like my mm-hmm. whole idea of that movie has changed and morphed over the years. So yeah, yeah. We'll definitely we'll get into it. So oh, that's uh, listener. Listeners, stay tuned. Yeah, that's gonna. Well, it's gonna be behind a paywall. It's gonna be three hundred dollars to get the episode, <laughs> but it's gonna be worth it. <laughs> um, well, the reason I'm asking, it just I thought it was an interesting topic because, obviously, spoilers. We're talking about licorice pizza today. Um, licorice pizza is known to be, I guess, Paul Thomas Anderson's love letter to his childhood growing up in California, um, the the specific period of time that he grew up. Um, and it got me thinking as this is a weird thing, but as, as it, as somebody who grew up in the North of England, um, in the period of time that I did, it's very rare for me. I didn't like England really with the odd exception is not really portrayed in cinema, um, over the years, like America is literally documented in cinema. You know what I mean? Like all the way through from like, from like the depression, first world war, second world war, Vietnam, um all the way up you know what i mean like the, all of pretty much most of american history has been documented one way or another in in the, the 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 medium of cinema um not so much if you're english um so when i've been thinking about nostalgia and thinking about like you know like oh when i watch this 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 is like just what my childhood was like i don't have a touchstone for it mm. i think the closest that i potentially would have done I'm 10 years too young and that would be this is England because I'm like Oh okay yeah. Is I'm, that, I'm that, too, that's Manchester? Uh it's Sheffield. Uh, it's filmed oh, in okay. Sheffield but I think it's set there's parts of it filmed in Sheffield but it's like set around there. Um but I feel like I'm 10 years too young for that so I probably would like that whole skin movement and that like that like obviously I was alive when that shows taking place that movie's taking place but i was definitely not of the age where i would have been part of the counterculture so much as i was when it got into the 90s so obviously when they did um this is england in the did the tv serialization of it and when they went through the 90s obviously there's a little bit more reference points for me there um growing up in like early rave culture i guess in england you know what i mean and then like club culture i didn't know that they did a, a serialization of it was it um the same director, or who was it? Shane yep. Meadows. Yep, Shane Meadows. Do to do. It's yeah. like they do. This is England. I think it's 84, 86, and ninety. I might, I might be totally wrong on the dates, but it goes through the nineties because it goes up to like Manchester, Stone Roses, and it goes mm. up through um, that period, like early rave culture starts in that show, and it's the same cast, but then they expand on the cast. Uh, but you still have Woody and Lol, and you have Stephen Graham's character um, Combo. He's in it too, and it's when Combo comes out of prison from the end of the movie. Oh, oh and okay. Eric, it is phenomenal. It is so good. Like uh, if it, you like is it this available? is England, uh, I no, love this. I love it, this is England. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hard to get because it just aired on. I think it was like Channel Four, BBC Two, or something. Whatever it aired on in England. I was living here when it aired, but um. I, I think I torrented them. Don't arrest me, but I think I did. Uh, <laughs> but 
I might still have them on my hard drive, and if I do, I'll just bootleg them for you so you can watch them because they are so so good. It's four yeah. episodes per season, but um, yeah, yeah, you you love it. Um, I think, but so, anyway, yeah. Oh no, I know you will. Um, but yeah, so for me, that's kind of interesting, and like, so I guess a, another close parallel I could draw would be I could say, well, the movie Kids the um larry clark movie sure now granted i didn't grow up in like i think that's brooklyn um yeah i did not grow up in obviously but i, I was that age of those characters in that period of time roughly you know what i mean so um i think i'm a little bit older than chloe 70 but i'm like right in that age where but i can't i can't draw parallels to that because i didn't grow up with any of that you know what i mean that like that whole thing it's just yeah, it's interesting I'm, i mean i I mean, I kind of quote, you know, I grew up in the 90s. Like, that was my, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. So mm -hmm. that was kind of, that was my tribe at the time. So, but the cinema of that time, I don't really, it doesn't relate to me in a way or it doesn't resonate in a, in a certain way. Um with the exception of like those standouts that really kind of informed my my kind of uh, cinematic taste, you know, that's when Miramax started to kick off and Tarantino and like that whole movement, you know, and like all those, you know, Robert Rodriguez and the Kevin Smiths and like all all those, you know, that genre, obviously, but uh, you know, but when they make when they make movies about the nineties, I, it just, it never, it never really kind of resonated with me, you know, like oh, yeah. and it's, or like singles or something. I like was going to mention singles. Yeah. yeah. And singles is so specific to Seattle, like in a way yeah, I feel like yeah. even more so than it is to the age group of the people that are in it because like they're what, early twenties, but it, it's I guess, very yeah. Seattle. I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't really seek out California cinema, you know? I mean, Tarantino yeah, no. was always kind of, he was always very uh, West Coast-centric and, mm -hmm. and more so, like, L.A.-centric. Yeah. Um, but I didn't grow up in L.A. I grew up outside of. Um, so where I was from, that nothing was really representational of, of kind of, where I came from that I could really think of off the top of my head. Um, and then even if it was, I, I would not have uh, gravitated towards it because it, I, I was so like separate from, from like everything that was kind of going on in my little uh, area at the time. So it's an interesting question. I mean, I'm sure people from New York who, you can't help but be surrounded by New York cinema, films in New York, about New York history, uh, iconoclastic people, image, like everything. Like, like New York is all over cinema. So you, you can't help but kind of see your youth and, and growing up and everything like that. If you're, if you're from those major cities, you know, like New York, I, I, I suppose New York, LA, London. LA, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um the those cities that are like 
have been covered at nauseum, you know. Um, so it, I mean, it's interesting. Like if you grew up in, I don't know, Boise, Idaho, how do you relate? <laughs> sort of deal. What what's what cinema t- a touchstone or touch point do you kind of you relate to? So yeah, like Varsity Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting though. Yeah, the, it, and it's just a, it. It was it. I can't even get my words out today. It's um, it's just an interesting subject, especially when you hear that. Like, obviously, um, it Paul Thomas Anderson saying like, "Oh, you know what I mean." This is kind of like um, not autobiographical or you know, but but in a sense that it's like he's he's pulling from a lot of his experiences or a lot of his memories. Um, and then, and then also. Tarantino is a good counterpoint because we'll get into this when we get into Licorice Pizza, but um, watching Licorice Pizza with you, one movie kept springing to mind a lot and it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, and I don't know why, um, but it was, and I guess um, in a way that's very nostalgic for Tarantino, you know what I mean? Or nostalgic for a period of time that he particularly loves, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if it's obviously not really nostalgic for his own childhood, um, if he, if it was, then I suppose I would have something in common because I think Tarantino also worked at Blockbuster, so I probably have a little bit. Or, something in yeah, maybe. With him. Yeah, I, I I know he worked in a video store. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, it probably. It yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so and it's also coincidentally a very weird time in cinema. Not weird, but like at the end of 2021, you couldn't escape nostalgia at the movie theater. I feel like. Hmm. Um, between the Spider-Man movie, the Matrix movie, um, this, the Chris Pizza, um, I think there was something else that was very nostalgic. Oh, Ghostbusters. Um, yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of like nostalgia-themed West, entertainment. West Side Story. West Side Story, yeah. But yeah, exactly. Um, that's a good pull. Um, even, and I don't know whether that's just like a a mood shift that we have or like something that seems a little bit more perhaps people are looking for a bit more nostalgia a little bit more of a like a comfort in in their movies um or, or like we feel like you know what i mean like in in media there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of that going on there's a lot of tv shows that are just rehashes we, we got like um a new home alone movie on disney plus there was a new turner and Ho- turner and hooch series on disney plus and a lot of you know what i mean like hey remember this thing that you loved that i feel like that's the theme for 2021 for me yeah in, in yeah movies. i mean yeah it could be nostalgia but but it also uh cynically it could be regurgitation too oh yeah like creative bankruptcy <laughs> yeah <laughs> in a way um but yeah so i suppose let's talk about uh pta as uh we like to call him in the biz um <laughs> in his movies um not a very big filmography um i think if i'm go- i'm not looking it up on wikipedia right now but maybe six movies i was gonna i was gonna say just off the top of my head maybe eight so i mean six is yeah yeah so, well let's have a look so we got hard eight boogie nights magnolia punch drunk love um after that would have been the master um phantom thread licorice pizza i i'm not i'm not fact checking myself but seven 
what there will be blood oh eight god how can i forget about there will be blood eight yeah. eight movies so not i mean it's a it's pretty respectable i don't know how many tarantino's on isn't he on like nine i think I think he's on nine. Yeah, because he was shooting for 10. So, yeah. Yeah, and then he's going to cut himself out at 10. Um, I'll believe that when I see it. Um, but, yeah, eight movies in Paul Thomas Anderson. And honestly, in my opinion, not a dud. Not a single dud. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you didn't and say, also. Did you say, in, did you say inherent vice? Oh, no. Yeah, I forgot about that then. Okay, so nine. So he's right at Tarantino, neck and neck. Nine. Okay, because I feel like, yeah, Magnolia was feels around the time of like Jackie Brown. Like they're pretty much running neck and neck. Yeah, that's I think they are, yeah. I I think I think they're yeah, I think they're about neck and neck, yeah. Okay, and it and also often regarded by um critics and movie geeks like you and I as two of the, the best working directors right now, arguably. Um for my money, easily two of the best. I, I'm f- obviously, I, I swing a bit more towards PTA than I do Tarantino. Um, but that's, I think, more of a personal preference. Uh, but I, I can acknowledge both of them are like, again, neither of them have had a dud. Like, pretty much flawless. Um, but what's your history with his movies, Eric? When did you get into them? When did you like... Uh, early on, like, uh, I think I... I... I think I was watching him when I, even though I was unaware of who I was watching, you know, because I remember watching Hard Eight when it came out, um, and I was like, "Who is like?" It it really kind of took me by surprise because I didn't I didn't know much going into it. I I think I just I read the back and then saw it was um, it was Samuel L. Jackson and. Uh, who was it? Uh, John C. Riley. Yeah, John C. Riley, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. uh, Philip Baker Hall, um, and then uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman made a little cameo in there as well. Um, but it was an interesting premise, and then it, it was re- it was really like it was a riveting movie. It was it, it was it had a good payoff and everything, and. I was so after I was done watching, I was super stoked. I was like, "Yeah, that was a really good kind of." It was a movie that flew under the radar for me, and and um, wasn't his next one Boogie Nights? Yep, Boogie Nights. Yeah, yeah, and I think by that time everybody was just kind of they were on the train at that point where they were like, uh, "Boogie Nights is is you know meant to be the the next." you know, the next big thing or the thing that you should be watching for or the most anticipated movie of that year. So at that point, I was, I was, you know, I was a follower. So, um, and I've been that way ever since. So, it, so it, it's just similar to Tarantino, you know, like when, when they're putting out a movie that year, that's your most anticipated movie of that year. Because one, one, you followed them for their career for, uh, so long so you know the quality that you're gonna get and um if nothing else it's gonna be an interesting story or there's gonna be something interesting visually at least um oh 100 yeah that's gonna really kind of stoke something uh that you're interested in um yep 
do you have I I don't want to say how would you rank his movies but but I mean is there one that you would consider his like the best like like if if, if someone had not seen any any uh of of his work what's the movie that you would say okay watch this because I think this represents all his skill sets. See, that's interesting because I was thinking about it when you were talking that um, it's it's difficult with PTA because with the likes of Tarantino, Tarantino has such a voice through his writing alone, just through his yeah. dialogue. Like you could take away everything from that a Tarantino movie and if the script's there, hence when other people make Tarantino movies, like when um, Oliver Stone did... Um, was it Oliver Stone? No, who did um, um, True Romance? Uh, oh, True, True Romance. Romance? Tony Scott? Oh, God, the great Tony Scott, yes. So, yeah. and um, yeah, so if you were to like, you could read that script, and obviously it's a Tarantino script, and you're like, this is a Tarantino movie. So, so much so that even when you're watching Tony Scott do it, despite Tony Scott's very specific visual flair, um, it still plays like a Tarantino movie. PTA, on yeah. the other hand, his movies kind of swing a little bit more and like tonally. And then also like, I don't think there's so much of a, of a, like a, he doesn't have that trademark as it in terms of his dialogue or his script writing. I think for mm. me, it's more to do with um, like feel. He has like this, like a feel to a PTA movie. And there's definitely, so it's tricky to say like, Oh, if you were to watch this one, I think this kind of sums him up because if you think about it, the likes of um, Punch Drunk Love is very different to Inherent Vice or very different to The Master um, while still having an undercurrent of like, there's still some of that magic in there, you know what I mean? That's also to do with his use of similar casting on movies. He uses a lot of the same uh, recurring character actors. Um, so if I would have to say for it, I think it's split for me. Young Scott, um scott pre like the age of 30 i guess would say punch drunk love unequivocally would be my go-to uh if anybody was like i want to watch a pta movie what should i watch it be like punch drunk love scott now at my age um would be the phantom thread mm, yeah um and it, because i feel like that movie floored me that movie uh is my favorite movie of his despite the fact that I have a lot of nostalgia, there's that word again, for um, Punch Drunk Love. Like, I love that movie. I like all of his movies. The movie of his that I think I'm the coldest on over time is Boogie Nights. Interesting. Interesting. I, How about you? I would, I would say that... I mean, there's this kind of a special place in my heart for Heart 8 because I think it's... It's really separate from his other movies in a way. Um, it's a very kind of noir type um, type story, and he's and he's really kind of honing his his skill at that time. But still, it's all about it's really all about getting the performances out of out of those actors that he's really kind of excelled at. Um, but I don't think I would say Hard Eight. I think, I think, like, 
I think I would have to say, um, if I was inter- introducing someone and I, and I, I, I'll put this in kind of, in, if I knew the person, if I knew their kind of their sensibilities and their, and their tastes and stuff like that, I would say boogie nights because it, to me, it's the, it's, it kind of shows his, even though there's a darkness to it, I think it's his funniest movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there's scenes in there that just crack me up. Yeah. Um, it's just it's to me it's pure comedy, even even more so than say, uh, Punch Drunk Love, because Punch Drunk Love is kind of a you know it's a dark comedy in a way. Yeah, it's um, very dark. Yeah. But I mean that that being said, I I would have to know my audience because some people just aren't really into the what that story's about, you know. So it might not resonate uh, to a certain audience just because of um, subject matter, right? Oh, um, yeah, for sure, yeah. E- even though it's just, it's so hilarious. It's so hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and what he does, what he does in that movie, I think, uh, like, translates and, and kind of is, is the, is the, prototype for all his other movies in a way because you can see you can see like those boogie night shots and everything thereafter you know Mm -hmm. um but i mean from from the comedy from the super dark twists that happen uh in it you know when they go into the 80s and all the darkness and like the 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 drugs and the washed up people in that in that time period um and then how it kind of resolves itself. Uh, just amazing. Um, but today's Eric, like, like, just like you, like my tastes have kind of shifted over time. Um, it would have to be, there will be blood. I think there will be blood is his masterpiece. Uh, Oh yeah. No question. Yeah. No questions asked. I think that's when, uh, Daniel day Lewis was at the top of his game. Um, and, if you can get away with uh, starting a movie off 20 minutes of absolutely no dialogue, but, but uh, tell a story in a way where you get everything, you get the kind of the psychology of the character, you get the... Um, you understand the landscape. You understand kind of what's at risk, what's what's going on, the history of stuff that's going on, and how everything plays out, and 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 that performance that he kind of gets out of uh, Daniel Day Lewis was just blew me away, blew me away, like 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 no other film. Like I could watch it today today and still kind of have that that same thrill as I watched it the first time. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say there will be blood is uh, is the one I would show today. If if I wanted someone to see a, a dark comedy, like a fun dark comedy, I would go Boogie Nights. But I mean, if I want someone to like sit down and really kind of experience some a master working, it would be there will be blood. Yeah, I I mean I vividly remember seeing there will be blood. I saw there will be blood opening night in the theater um, with some friends who were also like. Obviously, we've got to see it. It's a new PTA movie, so we want to see it. Um, in that movie is um, 
like kind of like burnt into my brain at this point um that movie is is, is incredible it's uh you i feel like when i watch that movie i'm unable to break myself away from it it is like so captivating on like every single level that it's just like it it's like over it like overpowers you with just like like this ominous dread this vibe this like it's like this heaviness to that movie but it's not um but it, whilst being like that it is not like it's not obtuse in a way that you feel like you you're not it doesn't like push you out in a weird way it kind of sucks you in um yeah 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 it's a really really fucking good movie uh the score for that movie as uh, obviously when everybody started get on the johnny greenwood for yeah i think that might be the first movie scored um but it's so specific and it was so jarring at the time uh and i remember i remember that was my, my biggest takeaways from seeing the movie was the score um and you're right Daniel Day Lewis's performance is just crushing in that movie. He's so good. Oh, um, that yeah, and and how he plays off of uh, Paul Dano. And, yeah, Paul uh, Dano is really great in that movie. Um, a total revelation, I think Dano at the time, because I don't think I was that familiar with him. In honestly, truthfully, since there hasn't been, I mean, he's done a lot of good stuff. Paul Dano, he's really good in Prisoners. Um, oh yeah, he's done a lot of good stuff, but like he was so good in like so the opposite in like yeah. It, yeah like just the the juxtaposition between those two characters yeah now we're talking about it, i just want to watch that movie again <laughs> um yeah like stellar work and i was thinking also too like not to keep beating a dead horse with tarantino and, and pta but like both of those directors for me felt very self-assured and very like capable out of the gate like there was no like there wasn't like a ramp up and then it would be like four movies in they'd be like okay like they figured out the style there's like a confidence to um hard eight and boogie nights and there's a confidence to reservoir dogs and pulp fiction that are like yeah. it's like all of a sudden it's like hey i'm making a movie and now i'm like martin scorsese but like like that's yeah, swagger yeah, yeah. you know what i mean because they yeah. both came out the gate with that kind of just tall swagger and then they both also in the earlier movies dealt with big ensemble casts um which is a, a very scorsese thing too and in like yeah. goodfellas a casino you know um but yeah really 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 great catalog of movies and i think you could you you can go in at any point too you don't have to watch them chronologically like to see him develop you can just kind of drop in and be like it's just different tones of him which is yeah. nice you yeah. know um so very interested to see where he goes in the future um after licorice pizza and like i'm always going to be super excited when i hear about them like i remember when this when they announced the name for the movie when it was like his next movie is going to be called licorice pizza i think i you and i were talking about it and i was like do you know there's new you know what i mean there's a new trailer going to drop like oh yeah as yeah. <laughs> as fans we were both like super psyched yeah yeah um yeah i was like i think it was like one of i think it was it was probably one of the ones that we talked about the most kind of offline you know or like trying to set up times and stuff like that even more so than the, the matrix i was more kind of uh compelled to to make sure that i saw licorice pizza yeah especially for our end of year i feel like we like we couldn't have got through 2021 and not seen it 
I felt like yeah. there's obviously movies right now that we haven't seen that we've been talking about, which will not give away spoilers for the next episode. But um, yeah. it's definitely a handful of movies. I know that it's kind of like ribbing you and me that we haven't seen it. And it's just kind of like, damn it, <laughs> damn it. But I'm pleased we at least got to catch Licorice Pizza in, in a theater too, um, yeah. which is kind of, I want to see his movies in the theater. Like I would go out my way to see this movie in the theater um the other movies that we're talking about i'm i'm happy to stream at home but like for licorice pizza like it had to be the cinema for us for that oh yeah yeah definitely yeah because i mean if he belongs anywhere it's on a cinema screen for sure like um just how how cinematic everything he does is um so that's kind of a little bit of a i don't know we just kind of like kind of surmised at least um i think that's also a good way to to surmise i said the same word twice but like our (laughs) anticipation going into this you know what i mean because it's a good bit it's a good baseline it it, it gives everybody kind of an idea of kind of where we're at um we set the scene pretty yeah when we yeah we yeah we set the scene and so when we sat down we this is what we were kind of going into it with yeah palpable levels of hype um obviously if you not like eric and i and you've got to this point you're like oh i haven't seen any of his movies um obviously you're going to go into you wouldn't go into it with the same level of like anticipation that we did so without uh beating around the bush any further then i'm gonna throw it to you eric um as i always do what did you think of licorice pizza <laughs> i always like the question what did you, <laughs> what um, did you think so first off, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying I messed up on this movie <laughs> uh, because when we decided on the time and it, everything was locked in and we were good to go and we got there un uh, unknown to unknown to me unknown to Scott I don't know maybe unknown to the people who were sitting in the audience because it wasn't a very it wasn't a big room um, and it wasn't sold out or anything like that. You know, it was probably less than half actually was, uh, yeah. was, uh, were seated in there. It was an open caption movie, meaning there were subtitles along the bottom. And I was like, this can't be right. This, this can't be. So automatically, automatically I am taken out of the movie. Um, and, and so in the beginning, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything as I'm saying this in the beginning. You're you're getting introduced to these characters like she I, I lost this because I got up to go talk to someone outside the theater to, to say there's subtitles on on the screen. Can you ha- can can you have someone look at this? And and, you know, these poor kids, I mean, they're just kids. I realize this, you know, I'm the grumpy old man. And uh and they were like, oh, well, yeah, sometimes they have subtitles. What does your ticket say? I was like, I have no idea what my ticket says or anything like that. And I was like, just have someone look at it. And, and I was resigned with, if there's nothing they can do, there's nothing they can do. I'll just, I'll go back in and I'll watch my movie. And then when I sat down, I looked at the description and it actually said open captions on, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the description. And I just was shaking my head, feeling like such a jerk. Um <laughs> So, uh, 
so I had missed like the first, I don't know, five, five, six minutes of it when they, when you're getting that introduction to those two main characters, I had no idea the entire time that she was like 25 years old or however yeah. old she was. And I mean, I knew that he was a teenager, um, but I, I, I thought initially like in the trailers or whatever, like she was maybe 18, like she was maybe a senior in, in mm -hmm. the school that he was going to or something like that. I had, I was clueless the entire movie about her age, about how they had initially met because I walked out of the theater at that point. So, Oh man. Did you, so, so like you didn't yeah. know, you didn't know her age, like right through the movie. Not at all. Not at all. Dude, that's crazy. I, I, I assumed, I assumed that she was maybe a couple of years older than him. Oh wow! And that was the, and that was the reason that she hung around him for so long because they were in, maybe they were in similar classes. Maybe they were in a certain age range where they knew the same people or, mm -hmm. or, you know, they had some common interest because they grew up together or something like that. And she was always, you know, as the movie goes along, you know, she's, she was always a little bit off putting towards him. Uh, even though she she was attracted to him the whole time, um, as I I as I assume an older woman would be to a younger man, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so right off the bat, that's that's my impressions right off the bat. So obviously, I'm confused as the movie's going on. Um, but you know, I mean, I pick up, I and and I just kind of. I put the pieces in place as they go along, but still, I mean, not until the end, or I think after we we're talking, I, I had no idea how old she was. How, how well I should say how much the age gap was in those characters. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's a part where she's talking to her sisters. Like, you think it's funny that I'm hanging around? Uh, I, I forget the character's name. So such and such with, with all his teenage friends. Gary, and she's, yeah, she's Alana. Yeah, Gary, he's yeah, Gary, yeah, 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 Gary, and his teenage friends, and she's like, you know, and that whole thing, and then the whole time she's like, when she's running through people's people, she's like, get out of the way, teenagers, and I was like, this is such a weird line because aren't you a teenager? I honestly didn't know. That's <laughs> so, crazy. That's so wild. I still, yeah. I didn't. This is the first time I'm hearing this. I because yeah. we didn't really talk about the movie afterwards, and we we kept it kept it under wraps. I, I suppose for this episode, but uh, I had no idea that that <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, because I mean, does in in that first like section where they're where they're in the line for the for um you know where she's holding the mirror and comb sort of thing, um. Do they discuss how old they are? Yes. So basically what happens is you're introduced. Um, you you come across uh, the character of Gary, played by Cooper Hoffman, which we'll get into later because that's a whole legacy thing. Um, he is at his high school going for his yearbook photograph. I believe it's like a yearbook. Uh, um, yeah, I put, that I put that together. Yeah. So he's walking down. And basically, they're calling them in one at a time to go in. And uh, there's a photographer set up to take a picture. So she's a chaperone. So she's like, hey, are you ready to go get your picture taken? Something along those lines. Like, yep. So she walks in with him. And straight away, 
he starts he's like he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a chancer this kid he's a bit of a bit of a charmer and he's like oh you're, you're very pretty you're, you know along those lines or i think you know i really like you would you like to go out to dinner with me and she's like she's like dude i'm 25 like you're a kid i'm 25 like not in your wildest dreams but she's like kind of flattered you know what i mean but that yeah that is made clear right off the bat first five I minutes missed right that. off the i bat. missed all that i missed all that. yeah <laughs> because because I had no idea that there was open caption. So it's it's all a comedy of errors on my mm-hmm. on my part. So um so a, as we're going along there's sub there's like the subtitles that that are happening. So I can't help sometimes but to but my eyes are dipping, you know, to reading and watching, reading and watching, reading and watching. So uh, there are certain parts where I'm taken out of it because I'm I'm reading the description of what's going on on the screen you know like when when David Bowie comes on it's like new age music playing or like what yeah. new wave music is yeah. is is playing in the background sort of thing um so there's that um I there to to me it didn't it didn't follow like a kind of a traditional, like a traditional plot in a way. So, so it's all about these little kind of little, almost vignettes, snaps, of, shots of life, you know, little, like little slices of life of, of their kind of world that they, that they traverse and, and travel in and, and, you know, who Gary is you know, this very kind of ambitious kid who wants all this, who kind of has big ideas for himself and like the stuff he wants to accomplish. And, and he, he's this little entrepreneur type guy and she's just following him along as this, as this all is, is taking place almost as if she's trying to find her own identity or where she fits in to, to this entire world that, that they're involved in. And, she always kind of just hitches herself to him because it's always it always seems to be an adventure. It always seems to be like something exciting is going to happen. So I I, I like the kind of the the interplay between those characters um, for the most part. Um, I I was I was never kind of soured on on that relationship and and how they played off each other. But there were certain parts of it that I I really that I w- I was taken out of, and and it and it was like it was like little weird scenes. It was like when they when they go to the casting agent, and there's the the woman casting agent, and he and Gary's just like say yes to everything, say yes to this, say yes to, this. and that's what she was doing. But the but the way that the the that casting agent decided to kind of play her role or however the role was was on page was a little bit off-putting to me and then you have the whole uh uh the safty uh plot line with the with Mm -hmm. the mayor um there was a certain amount of there was a certain amount of tension that was built in that into that whole plot line or that little that little uh point in, in that in the in the movie 
where you're expecting something to happen. Um, I won't spoil it, bit, but it it builds. It has like a weird energy that it builds um, as it's going along. So you're thinking something uh, something bad's going to happen, or or something nefarious is going on, or whatever the case is. And there's not there's not a huge there's not a huge payoff. There is a payoff, and then once you figure out what it is, you're just like, oh, okay. And then, but if you also put it in the time frame that it, that it's taking place was like late seventies, uh, early eighties um, time frame, um, you're like, oh yeah, I could see why the why this would be controversial or or why this would would kind of uh, damage someone's reputation or uh, political aspirations. I, I should say. It still would now, dude. It's twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. It still would. That's to a de- to a de- to a degree. It would, um, de- like depending on on the the situation. Yeah. For um. Sure. So. So that kind of you're expecting to pay off. That payoff didn't happen. Uh, the. The Bradley Cooper whole section that was just comic relief. Um, and he was a, a hilarious character, but it, it was just, it was so kind of short lived. I, I was hoping that, that, uh, that storyline would play out a little bit more. Um, so I, I'm, I, I think right now I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm lukewarm on it. I liked it, but I, I wanted to like it so much more. And I think there was, there was like something that was, um, working against it. And I don't know if it was because of how we had to watch it that it because because there were parts where I was taken out of it because I'm ha- because I'm reading it just my brain just automatically does that it automatically reads. Um, so uh, what I want to do is I want to watch it again, um, obviously without subtitles, um, and I want to watch it from the beginning and, and see the stuff that I did miss um, because. I didn't love it as much as I really wanted to. Um, I mean, in the, the, the Sean Penn section with Tom Waits section, I, I'm like, I guess. It, just, it seemed like there, there were two or three separate movies that were going on at the same time, and all I really wanted was the relationship movie to happen. I just wanted a kind of a, a regular plot line to take place with those two characters and to see how they kind of traverse their relationship and, and because you get the ups and downs, you get kind of the, the ebbs and flows of that relationship, but they always kind of end up back together in in a way, one way or the other, you know? So I wanted something a little bit more in depth with, with those two and everything that happens in between that, with with those things that I've talked about, to me took away from what I wanted in there. Um, now that's not saying that that it's bad or or anything like that. I mean it's it's hey, it's PTA. It's shot immaculately. Even even the stuff that I wasn't really into was just it looked amazing, you know, and and um, sound was on point. Um, 
it, it wraps up nicely. I mean, it it's it's a solid movie. I just I was wanting I don't know what I wanted. I wanted a little bit more out of it. I think. Yeah, I I I could totally tell that. I could vibe. I could read you when we came out of the movie theater, and um, whilst we didn't really say much, um, I knew that you were pretty lukewarm on it. Not, I wouldn't say lukewarm, but I, I felt like you were pretty conflicted, and I felt like yeah. too that you were like I felt bad because I feel like you were on the back foot because uh, obviously with the initial, I feel like because we were so hyped to see it, we sat down mm. with the with the subtitle situation, like you're on the back foot. It's not your ideal viewing. And like, it's like, this is a special moment. This is the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. This is what we do. This is like, this is like film geek heaven. Like, and then immediately <laughs> it's like, I don't like you're getting it delivered to you. And it's like, I don't, I don't want it given to me like this. You know what I mean? Which yeah, I totally yeah. understand. And like, I'm the same with you, Eric. I, I think I'm a little bit more easy on subtitles. Like I kind of adapt it pretty quick. The only time subtitles subtitles really bother me is um just like what you said with the, the descriptive. It's the descriptive stuff that I read. When it's dialogue, I don't read it, but I'm always like, you know what I mean? Door slams, car opens. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that really pulls me out. Um, yeah, and it, it's not even subtitles because I mean, I watch movies with subtitles all the time. It's, yeah, precisely. It's, yeah, it's it's that open caption. It just it tells you everything that's going on on the screen. Yeah. So it's it's a weird because uh, I'm not adverse to subtitles at all. I I don't want oh, to sure. get that impression. Yeah, yeah that impression oh, I know that. It's just um, I I don't think I'd ever watched a movie with with captions on before. So I was like, uh, all right, it's just something different. But yeah, yeah, I can feel that. I've, I. It, it, a little part of me was kind of sad for that. Like, if I'm being honest, I was, I, I felt a little sad because I, I, I wanted you, I think I wanted you to like it, like really, really like it. And, um, which is a weird thing to say, but I did. Cause I, I, I was super excited for it too. And like mm-hmm. that bum, it bummed me out. It bummed me out that you didn't get to see it the right way. It bummed me out that you get to miss the, the, the opening introduction, which is kind of crucial to the entire movie. <laughs> evident, <laughs> yeah, evidently. Um, and that's a bummer. Cause you only get, you only get like your first, your first time special, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you don't want your first time to be a, you know, not that great of an experience. Um, okay, cool, cool. I mean, I'm going to go spoilers. So we're just going to say spoilers right now. Eric, I thought you did a wonderful job of keeping that spoiler free because you yeah. didn't give it away any spoilers at all. Um, but I think moving i'm i'm terrible i'm and like i think i'll be like restraining myself if i if i think about spoilers too much so we'll say spoilers from here on out um i i i was definitely warmer in the movie than you are i really like the movie i do really of all the movies we've seen this year this is the one i want to see again the most to to Mm. to really solidify my feelings on it so i'm like you on that like i want to see it again i want to see it in a better in more optimized condition um to really to really this this if we're writing our lists for the best of the year like this shouldn't be a debate for me right now but when i'm writing my list like i'm struggling placing this movie because and i shouldn't struggle to place a, a paul thomas anderson movie like but like right now i'm like tentative of where i put it because i just don't know 100 percent. you know what i mean sure because of the the experience but I will say I will say the things that I liked about it. I feel like this is the first movie we've seen together in the theater this year that felt like a movie, like an actual movie. Like it felt like a Hollywood movie 
And that's simply mm. because of obviously his craftsmanship, the fact that it, I could tell it was shot on film. I, I hope I'm right on that. Like I'll be flabbergasted if this was shot digitally, but like the aesthetic of a movie for me was the first time this year. I was like, this is the movie aesthetic. You know what I mean? At least the one that I love the most. Um, and like, this is how I see movies in my head. Like th- this, this kind of a movie, um, like looks wise cinematography, um, the film it felt like i was like it it felt a lot like when i would sit and i I watched pulp fiction when i was younger or you know what i mean like that kind of movie experience it wasn't high dynamic range like super high contrast you know what i mean like any of that (laughs) shit it was like oh this looks like film um even though we were seeing a digital projection of a film it still felt like film yeah (laughs) um so i i definitely sing its praises for that I've noticed that over time I've become less and less interested in needle drops. Um, so like pop songs in movies, I just kind of like, I'm so over it that I, I feel yeah. like it, it doesn't do anything for me. And I feel like I couldn't, Johnny Greenwood scored this movie and I couldn't tell you what he did because I like, it was, there was no, I didn't get anything from the soundtrack to this movie at all, which is a little disappointing considering I just sang his praises for there will be blood. <laughs> so I didn't really get much out of that. Um, I thought all the performances are really good in the movie. I think uh, Lana Hyam, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, I thought she was great, actually. Like, um, I don't think it's quite the revelation that people are making out. Like, people are like, oh my God, it's like such a revelation, her performance. She's going to, you know, be an Oscar contender. Um, I thought she was great, but I didn't, I was like, the earth didn't move for me when I saw her performance. Um, Cooper Hoffman, um, obviously for those in the know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace, his son, um, bringing some of his dad's energy, but thankfully not a lot of his dad's energy too. Like I didn't get like, I'm watching mini Philip, Philip Seymour, which I I was really pleased about because I feel like, yeah, I mean, yeah, if no, if, if I didn't know, like Mm -hmm. if someone hadn't told me and I didn't know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, yeah, which I think is nice because it's like, I'm like, oh, I stand like, the, the, this is like, he has his own voice, his own style of performing. And like, I thought he was great, actually. I thought he was probably for me the performance of the movie um, outside of the stunt performance, which is Bradley Cooper, which um, on theme with performances, Bradley Cooper is phenomenal in the movie. He's great. But it, Bradley Cooper, though, is like a grenade. So he's kind of like, he's dropped in and he's so more anim he's so animated obviously because of the way he's written that it's it's like he's in a different movie slightly don't get me wrong i love it but it's like it's and i think this is going back to what you were saying is there is a there's a weird the movie i would describe i would describe this movie as very shaggy it's like a shaggy type movie where it's kind of like like a dazed and confused or like a yeah it, it it's kind of meandering and it's meandering through like set pieces in a way, but it's not really like it's, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of drive behind this movie. So it's, it's got that looseness, that kind of like yeah, uh, the, slice of the, life kind of vibe. The interesting thing is like those two characters to me seemed grounded in a way, you know, mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. there's some, there's some craziness to it, but but for the most part, they're kind of grounded characters where everyone else is not, you know? Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. everybody else is just this 
I don't want to say larger than life, but they're 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 characters that are different outside of this movie, you know, in, in a way like like that that Bradley Cooper's character is basically is is like cocaine personified, you know, sort of thing. He's he's just a walking yeah. like line of cocaine, basically. Yep. Or uh, or uh, Sean Penn and Tom Waits characters, they're just alcohol personified in human yep. in human form. So, I mean, maybe maybe that's a choice. Maybe that's on purpose. I I don't really know. But it but they're so the other characters in this movie are so separate from this movie where these two characters are are so grounded in, in the the time and the place of this movie where those other people almost don't feel that way but i suppose perhaps there's the it, perhaps the point of that though is to show how heightened and ridiculous hollywood was uh, in that period yeah. of time in like i i don't know whether that's part of it like how extravagant and ridiculous these these characters are is kind of indicative of like the 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 world that's exist the like the the two worlds that are existing in in terms of like there's a there's a gas shortage there's a crippling gas shortage there's like real historical things happening within the the line of the movie but then you also have like this fantasy element but i suppose hollywood is kind of like a big weird twisted fantasy in a way um yeah so I don't know if that was part, part of the reason why it was so exaggerated, but what um, on the flip side of that though, um, I think it's Benny Safdie. Benny Safdie's character, who's the um, the young up and coming politician, yeah. In his arc, in his story, is is quite a somber, quite a quite a like grounded. Also, but also though, again, tonally different. On the flip oh, side, totally, whereas, totally, yeah, which totally is different. yeah. Which is really weird because you, you you have this like meet cute boy boy and girl like they're they're slightly off kilter big brother little sister uh, sorry big sister little brother kind of relationship um, in a way um, and then you have obviously then you've got your, your Sean Penn and Tom Waits who are like this crazy like over the top um, vulgar almost um, Hollywood uh, personas. But then with the, poli- the the political side of it, and then Betty Safdie's character, who is has this, uh, it, it's actually played pretty well. But like the um, the fact that oh, he, yeah. he's homosexual and he's and he's and he's hiding that obviously because given the time period, he doesn't want to call any controversy and he doesn't want a target on his back. Um, in but that is with the introduction of the I, I know exactly what you were talking about earlier on with that plot plot theme where we are introduced to a guy who's standing outside of the the office where um safty's uh political empires you know like the head office where they're running his campaign from mm. the whole time that left me uneasy and it did me too because the whole time i'm like is he gonna is, it, is he gonna like kill him is this like um yeah because it was giving me like all of a sudden i'm like getting like taxi driver kind of vibes from this guy yeah and then, totally like, totally yeah and that's really weird too, because yeah, that that's a real tonal shift. That so, whilst I'm supposed to be enjoying the fun and the romance of this situation, then I'm also dreading something happening to somebody just because he's a homosexual. <laughs> that it's like that's it's a weird like push and pull, and I don't think it really gels. If I'm being honest, now rewatches yeah. might smooth this out, but that left me uncomfortable in a way. And thank God it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. 
Yeah, you know? yeah, because I mean, he he knows how to handle kind of tonal shifts. Like if, if I'm going to go back and, and talk about uh, Boogie Nights, because there's that there's that whole thing where in the in the beginning it's it, it's almost lighthearted in a way, you know, mm-hmm. um, up until a certain point, you know, and as the movie tonally shifts it's on it's the that new year's party where um uh william macy kills himself yes you know and mm-hmm. you you see it happen yeah. the shots happen and then it sh- and then it switches and then it kind of switches tonally to you know the 80s um and then you kind of get this darker thing that happens so i mean he knows how to kind of handle those those that kind of tonal the the tenseness of of the moments too but but in this it was um there was tension there but it it, it was also it didn't it, it wasn't tension that kind of paid off it it was almost i don't know it it was almost it was like oh, bo- it was I'm bothersome looking? it was kind of like unsettling yeah, i thought yeah it was kind yeah i don't i didn't really know how to kind of put my put my foot on it you know sort of mm-hmm. thing so um i i don't want to say like the the tension was like like gratuitous or or something like that like you're like you're you're meant to have this feeling about this whole scene when it nothing really happens with it so I I was kind of off put in a way because that that character that you're talking about is is shows up at the restaurant too and it's just in the background but nothing happens. Yes. Yeah. Nothing happens. So I'm like what's what's the point? You know, I just didn't understand the the point of it. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong. How does that resolve? Is does it is he just like is he like a reporter? He's just there. He's trying to What's I, I mean you don't know if you don't know if he's a reporter, you don't know if he's a he's an ex lover, you don't know if he's like yeah. a, a brother of someone. You don't you you're not given any information at all. Yeah, it just I, ends. I, it just Yeah, ends. I think that's where I fell at the end of the movie. I think that's why I came out with the impression that he was an ex lover, like a jilted lover. Um yeah. perhaps. Um I think that's where I landed. Yeah, I don't think yeah, you're right, the movie doesn't actually directly wrap it or address it um in a way yeah you don't um, know if, if he worked for a different campaign you you're not given any information whatsoever but you're supposed to feel kind of tense about the whole situation but you're not really given anything mm-hmm. yeah i love how we're, we're so fascinated by this one story that we're like yeah really yeah, honed yeah, in yeah. on this I, and, and it's funny because yeah. I, I should imagine some people might be listening be like dude just let it go it's not a big of a deal yeah. but me and you're like what's his backstory what's his motivation yeah. where did he come from this guy you know what i mean uh, yeah. that's pretty funny yeah. um but like yeah so like so there's that going on um you're right you're 100 right the um the uh cooper hoffman the gary character in a lot of ham um they are um, by far and away. It's the anchor for the whole movie. That relationship's the anchor for the movie. That relationship ultimately is the most enjoyable part of the movie. Um, it's the part that I was most invested in. It paid off exactly how I would like it to pay off, um, which I thought was is is a cute way to end it. Like, um, 
so that that arc I feel was nice. It didn't. It wasn't too dramatic. It wasn't like his arc as a character. Um, I feel like what's interesting is is I don't think you know like in a in a conventional narrative you'll have like a character that goes on an arc and it'll either be like there'll be like a redemption or a growth within them. Yeah, I feel like they don't really grow. There's moments of growth for their characters in terms of like their realizations about themselves. But generally speaking, I don't think it really, it's not too invested in them like developing um, as much as it is the relationship developing, which is kind of interesting um, because he is by his very nature as a character, the polar opposite of her. So he's like, I'm guessing, I don't know how old he is. Is, is he 15? I think he's 15. Um, I think at the beginning, yeah, that's what yeah. it was meant to be. Like, yeah so which is funny because everybody's so caught I, I don't will not talk about i don't want to give any fuel to the fire but i do have some funny things to say about the the whole outrage regarding this movie which is so stupid but like yeah that their age gap is the same as my wife and i it's the same age gap it's 10 <laughs> years granted i didn't meet my wife when she's 15 but it's just yeah. funny um um when i was thinking about it before but he is yeah by his nature the he is a very confident um almost weirdly so like in my life i've never never met anybody who'd be like opening up a pinball hole by himself at 15 you know what i mean like he's like yeah. opening up a, a waterbed empire and i love all of that it's so fun <laughs> and like the event how he has the waterbed store and all it's just a bunch of like ragtag bunch of kids like the goodies who are running it yeah and they're like yeah. and like you have like eight-year-old kids selling mattresses to old men and stuff it's just really funny um, i mean did, did i miss something somewhere where so who is the business owner who is leasing out a a space to a 15-year-old kid to so, run a water mattress? Well, I think how it works is so we get the impression that like he's pretty wealthy. His mother, we don't I don't they don't mention his father. At least I don't, I don't pick up on it, but I know his mother um who's played by that actress from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. She's which I thought was great casting actually seeing her. She's she's great. Um she is, I guess, um, a marketing manager for businesses, and she goes all around, I guess. So she, she was going to Vegas on a business trip that's mentioned at one point. Um, so he's obviously coming from money, and his mother is obviously connected business-wise like to the uh, guy who has the Japanese restaurant, who does the... <laughs> I forgot about this, yeah. the guy who does the, the crazy Japanese accent. He doesn't speak Japanese, but he's married <laughs> to Japanese yeah. women. And uh, yeah, they don't speak yeah. English. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think through his connection um, with business owners, it was probably pretty easy for him to like, you know what I mean? Be like, a, he's kind of a hustler in a way. So he's like, hey, can you, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't think it's too much of a leap for me to be like, well, how the hell did he get a big moving van? And how did he get this like retail space? And then, and then how did he get a, a place in a venue for pinball? And where did he get the capital to buy these machines in the like i was kind of glossing over that but i think you could probably explain it by how connected he is or his family must be um yeah in that in yeah. in what's interesting about him yeah so he's unlike anybody i've ever met in my life um but i'm sure there are characters like that you know out there but his arc he as somebody who's so self-assured and so self-aware and so driven at such a young age and then you have her on the flip side who's 25 in basically aimless lives with her parents lost. and her yeah, sisters lost. yeah um and then um she is like drifting between jobs she doesn't know she obviously is 
in, in a situation where she is struggling to connect with people of her own age because you seldom see her hanging out with her friends. And occasionally she'll run into other people that she works with who are her age. But she's so much, she's kind of like a kid that's never grown up in a way. And um, hence why she sees the excitement and the camaraderie with Gary and his band of misfit youth. Um, <laughs> I feel like, mm. in, in, but she doesn't really she does start to like realize that like the age gap and then the fact that he's such a kid in it when she obviously goes to work for the, um, the safety political organization and she starts to become a volunteer for him. But I feel like that's her almost forcing herself to, to grow up. And she's kind of like, I've got to be an adult now. I'm, I'm into politics now, Gary, you know, she's like, she's chastising yeah. <laughs> him. And she's like, I'm only into serious issues like politics, but you can tell that she's really not, She's just kind of yeah. caught up in, like, she's in a way crushing on Benny Safdie before she finds out that he's gay. And then also, like, she's kind of, like, trying to convince herself, or, like, force down her in a child in a way and, like, force herself to grow up. But you can tell she's not really ready to. Hence, at the end of the movie, where she kind of, like, you know what I mean? They kind of, like, meet back up again. Um, I will say this, though. I can understand the um and sorry if i'm talking a lot but i i understand no, no, no. the um i understand the how some people through a lens might find this relationship slightly uncomfortable but i feel like that's only if you sexualize this relationship and i don't think the movie sexualizes a relationship despite the fact that she flashes her boobs to him which seems so childish and and like silly and not sexual at all to me yeah. and the fact that they share a kiss but i feel like it's like it. It's, it's kind of feels almost like a brother kissing his sister in a weird kind of way. I know that's weird, but like, it doesn't. I think if you if you the, force, well, yeah, yeah. The the characters aren't sexual characters. There's nothing. Not at all. Not at yeah, all. Yeah, there's nothing about them. Yeah. No, and I don't feel like the movie. I don't think like the movie really sexualizes either of them, and I feel like if you. If you let yourself get down in that path, I could see how the age gap may make some people uncomfortable. And I can understand the argument that I know everybody would make. And I guess I haven't read any of this, but I'm guessing the argument was if you flip it on its head, and it was a 25 year old guy hitting on a 15 year old girl. It would be really weird. Um, but, but it's like, not like we had we had talked about that. Isn't that the plot to Red Rocket? It, it, well, I guess I guess Red Rocket has way worse age gap stuff in. I mean, we haven't seen it, so we can't really talk about it. Yeah, but I, I, can't talk I about guess it. from what yeah, I yeah. hear, Red Rocket's a lot more on swinging on a lot more. Well, it covers a lot more of a of a, of a darker subject anyway. But like, I feel like it's all in the intent because I feel like this isn't a twenty five year old hitting on a fifteen year old. This is a fifteen year old hitting on a twenty five year old. So the intent yeah. is different. It's not her. It's not her being predatory towards him. It's it's him as a little man puffing his chest in in just being besotted with somebody. You know what I mean? Which for me is far more innocent because it's not. She's not giving him it back. She's not leading him on. At any point does she lead him on? She's not encouraging it. She's brushing it off. She's enjoying his company. And I don't, but I don't feel it's like she is reciprocating that at all. So it doesn't feel predatory at all, in my opinion. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I'd just get that out of the way with because I feel like 
it's funny because I, I mentioned this to you. Um, this I had a conversation with somebody I work with and they were like, oh, isn't that the movie <laughs> about like Rich uh. Peter? And they were like, isn't that the movie where that like 25-year-old rapes a 15-year-old or something? And I was like, <laughs> like what? what? What are you talking about? And then also that in the same conversation, um, they asked what licorice pizza means. And they were like, do they mean, is it called licorice pizza because it's like that pizza gate thing? Where, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are we talking about? <laughs> like, granted, I didn't know what licorice pizza was. Um, and it turns out it's, you told me it's slang for uh, vinyl, like a, a black vinyl. Um, yeah, or, yeah. And also the name of like, I guess a record store, or record label back in that period of time. But like, I thought that was funny too. How immediately somebody was like, "Oh, it's a PizzaGate thing" because she's a pedophile and he's under it. You know what I mean? It's so crazy. <laughs> like people need to get that shit out. That's that shit's wild. Like I can, yeah. you can obviously level at that. It plenty of movies over the years have done really controversial things and really misguided things, but you can't level any of that at this movie, in my opinion. And like that wouldn't that's relationship that they have probably wouldn't exist today in the sense that like, like kids don't just roam the streets and get adventures like they did back then. Um, there wasn't like this. Um, I think there was less of like, um, I forgot the name for it, but you know, when um, parents are absent and the kids kind of raise themselves, latchkey kids, I don't think latchkey kids are as much of a thing in 2021, 2022 as they were back in that period in time. And I feel like um, in the age of like the, the internet has changed everything. Cell phones have changed everything. Like, like there wouldn't be any of this, like, you know what I mean? Like, almost none of this movie would be possible in through today's um lens yeah yeah no no yeah no no totally i mean i i was a latchkey kid so i i could kind of i could kind of relate to to that whole situation um but yeah i mean today no people would people would be up in arms like parents would be getting arrested left and right if they let their children they're very young children roam the streets. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I often think that, like, not that I'm out looking for kids walking the streets, so don't get me wrong when I say this, <laughs> but I never see kids hanging out, like, here. And I live in, like, a, I guess, like, kind of a suburban neighborhood. I mean, I'm in Nashville, but, like, I never see, like, like, I never see kids out. I never see kids riding their bikes. I never see kids out playing football or soccer or baseball like you guys play. I never, you know what I mean? Or... I just don't see yeah, kids yeah. doing anything. Yeah, no, outside. I mean, I, I've, I've never seen a kid run a waterbed empire. I know. Ever. I mean, back in when I was growing up, we were all running our own little business <laughs> empires. But like, there's like, yeah, yeah there's. A, I feel like it was in a way, of uh, arguably, it has its problems in that period of time. But it was a little bit more of an innocent time, in that respect. You know. Yeah. I don't think yeah. everybody thought everybody was a pedophile back then like they do now you know what i mean um <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so they yeah you can't you can't look at it through 2021 uh cynicism of the world i think that you have to accept like the it's it the movie's looking back with rose colored glasses rose tinted glasses and i think that's how you should embrace it you know what i mean um but i i yeah, yeah. I, I do love i do love the chemistry i i think they've got great chemistry the two of them um i thought it, i got a kick from the movie scene um both of um, the Haim sisters, all three of them, they actually played their real, her real sisters played her sisters. And I don't know if you knew this, but um, her mother and father who have that funny scene when uh, one of the, this 
other young actor who's trying to court her goes over to the house and they ask him to read um i don't know what it is but some jewish prayer i guess before they eat the meal and he's like oh i don't do that and the guy's yeah. goes and the father's like but you're a jew and then um you could tell their family's <laughs> pretty strict jewish but like that's her real mother and father too yeah yeah so i thought that was yeah. a kick i didn't um, know that i i think i saw it in the credits so oh I you did that together but what I didn't put together, yeah, I didn't put together was the waterbed salesman who I found out later on was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, that's a trip. I have to watch it. I feel like part of the reason I want to watch it again is to see him because I, I remember him looking pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he really does. That's wild, yeah. That's so random. I wonder if he's done other movies. I'll have, I to, I'll have to look him up on IMDb afterwards. Um, but yeah, so I think like to surmise... I've got to stop saying that bloody word. I don't even, you know what it is? I use that word and I don't know if I 100% understand that word. Anyway. <laughs> then you have to Oh keep God, using. I know. I'm going to have to edit one of them out. I'm going to go back and edit at least one of them out. So I'm not saying it like constantly. Um, but to wrap up my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I can't fault the movie on a technical level. I can't fault the movie on a performance level, despite some of the performances being a little over the top. Found Sean Penn a little grating, if I'm honest, but I kind of, the older I get, the less I like Sean Penn, which is kind of interesting because I used to think he was great. Mm. Um, Tom Waits, I could take a leave. I found him a little bit silly. Um, Cooper, I liked. Um, the all so Performance-wise, fine. Writing, I think the writing's very good in the movie. The dialogue's good. Um, and I know that because I read the dialogue, <laughs> so I know the dialogue's good in the movie. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. in terms of like a, it is a crafted technical, um, piece of work. Yeah. I can't fault it. Um, I'm just, unfortunately just not as in love with it as I thought I was going to be. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, I thought you were like all, all the way in well, on it. I do this a lot, but I do this in general and I do air on the side of like being very hyperbolic about things but like i was i was a lot higher on the movie when i came out initially but over time mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's kind of like melted slightly and i'm a little more lukewarm on it um but i feel that mm -hmm. i need to see it again i really really need to see it again i've got a feeling that i could watch this movie again and adore it and that's what i hope but also yeah. like I feel like I'm putting pressure on myself to like it more than I probably should do. Yeah. I just, I don't, I just don't think that it holds. I don't think that it is up to standards or up to par with, with movies like there will be blood master Magnolia, a boogie Nights. Yeah. Uh, it just it's it's in a I I kind of I put it in that that punch drunk love realm. Oh, it's not as know? good as punch drunk love. Where it's not yeah, it's not it's not as good as punch drunk love, but it is of that same ilk. In a way, yeah, you know, I guess. Of, it's yeah. of that it, of that yeah. world. It's you know? well this there's no stakes really to the movie. And I suppose like I I I, I would I'm worried that I I don't want to I don't want to just fall down the trap of being like well it's not as serious so it's not as good you know what i mean because like there's room for shaggy love stories you know what i mean and like there's room for that oh yeah um, 
my expectations though are slightly unrealistic based on his previous work like you know to go into because think about it like phantom thread phantom thread is tight like really tight thriller and like um there's no looseness to that movie at all and maybe that's why he made this maybe he's like fuck it let's just do something fun yeah do something light something yeah no no i mean i i could totally kind of see where they where he was coming from or or like his process or whatever the case is whereas like i've 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 done heavy movies you know i've done serious subject i just kind of want to i just want to tell this simple story with these kind of oddball characters yeah absolutely so what about you eric about same as me about yeah yeah i i think so i want us i definitely i want to watch it again um i will watch it again um and then i'll I'll kind of i'll draw my conclusion after that do you feel confident i'm just trying to get spoilers out of you <laughs> do you uh for your list um <laughs> do you feel confident do you do, are you would you consider placing this in your top 10 i would even after one yeah. viewing i mean that says a lot even after one viewing and still not being 100% on it, you would still put it in your top 10. I think so. I, I think so. Just on, on yeah, craft alone. Yeah, dude, undeniable. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, because, because he knows how to, he knows how to create certain, like, emotions and, and, and convey certain things with the way that he, tells his story and, and and how everything's shot and and there's just there's just ingenious things that actually happen in it when there are um I'll, I'll say this similar to the way in in titan where where there there are things that happen in titan where it has you squirming in your seat similar in, in that way where they're driving in the truck and and uh, Gary's like, stop the car, stop the car, uh, because the the uh, Bradley Cooper's car sitting there, and he gets out and he smashes it, smashes the window with the golf club or the baseball, whatever he has, and then he and then he gets back in the car. He's like, oh, let's go! I can't believe I did that, and the car doesn't yeah. start, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. So, so I mean, there's 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 stuff like that. So so. Or they, or they, they're trying to do their getaway or whatever, but they just end up back at that same place, you know. So there's stuff in there that really make makes it enjoy. It, it way outshines the kind of things that I have a, a negative response to. There's enough in there. There's enough in there to where I think. Out of everything that I've kind of seen this year, I could put it, I could definitely put it in the in the top ten. That being said, I haven't seen, and we talked about this a little bit as well. I haven't seen everything that I want to see for this year. That it could possibly knock it off. So you know, yeah, that's what's interesting about doing these lists, and like this is the first time I've ever done this, like or like. I mean, I've had my favorites in my head, but it's the first time I've ever had to do it, obviously, because we're doing it for the podcast, but I've never had to, like, really tear anything like this before, especially with something I love. Like, I don't do it with music, um, but, like, it's an interesting it's an interesting process 
doing this. Um, and I have found myself conflicted. Um, just, I feel like if I'm being honest, I, I, I think it's an interesting thing because I feel like there's such a, we find ourselves and we all do this. Um, but there's such a, um, and I, this came up when I was talking to somebody about the matrix and I was talking to somebody about Spider-Man. Um, we, I feel like we put a lot of pressure. Like when we see things, it's like, this has to be the best. This has to be the best Paul Thomas Anderson movie, or it's not the best. This has to be the best Spider-Man movie or the best matrix movie. And this has to be the, like, there's such a drive for us to like, this has to be great. This has to have a 99% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes in like, that's how I know I'm going to like it because it's the best. You know what I mean? And like, I'm not saying that yeah, we do that because yeah. obviously we find like some of the shit I've, I've championed on this show in the past year has been stuff that most people be like, it's shit. But like, I'm not saying that we do that, <laughs> but I think it's interesting that we, there's like a, a push it, like to because I don't feel like we do that with music like I don't anyway maybe some people do but like I like records because I like a record but it doesn't have to be the best record I've ever heard it just has to be a record that I like and I feel like I don't give myself that yeah. same leeway with movies a lot of the times a lot of the times I'm like I struggle I feel like embarrassed to defend something because it isn't the best it isn't the greatest and um that that mm. feeling's been popping up with me a lot when I'm coming up to doing this list because I'm like, does it really matter what the best movie of the year is? Because it's oh, obviously it doesn't, and it definitely doesn't matter what my opinion is, uh, let alone the bloody Oscars or anything like that. But um, it's just an interesting process. It's yeah. an interesting way to judge art and put art in like, I, like take all this art that I've consumed and then and then put different colored jerseys on it and make it race and see which one of them finishes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no, I get you. Uh, the same thing when I, I was kind of building. When I was building my list, I was like, "Where does it fit? Where, where does everything kind of, kind of, end up and coalesce and 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 it? How come I like this more or this less sort of thing?" So, um, I'm kind of happy with what I have now. Uh, but like I said, there's probably about five movies that I haven't seen from this year that I think would shake yeah. up that list. So I have a feeling drive my car would drastically shape, shake up our lists. Both of ours. It, pro it yeah. probably would. Yeah. I have a sense. Yeah. Um, not okay. So one last thing I want to ask you, like, I, and obviously this is, yeah. I'm just trying to like, I'm not trying to get any info out of you cause I'm so excited for the next episode. Um, your number one sure. movie, when you picked yeah. your number one movie, I don't need to know what it is. Was it, has it been defined yeah. this whole time or have you changed your number one in the process of writing this list? Have you moved what you had at number one? I haven't. No. Interesting. Damn it. I'm trying to figure out what it is. The, the, yeah, the, th the, the thing that is number one, um, I knew, I knew it. Right after Holy I saw it. Holy shit. I knew it right after I saw it. Wow. Yeah. That's got, really got my head scratching now. Because so, <laughs> mine hasn't. Mine's changed. Mine changed this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And mine was. So if if you're listening and you haven't figured it out yet, next week we're going to be. Yeah. This. So 
Everybody, thank you so much for getting through another episode of Movies Last Night with Scott and Eric. It's been <laughs> such a journey. And I know it's always such a chore to reach yeah. the end. I wonder what the statistics of people who listen to the end of our podcast is. I bet you half of these people I speak to and like, oh yeah, listen to your podcast, it's really good. I'm like, you listen to two minutes of it. You didn't listen to the whole bloody thing. <laughs> I defy them. Um, but if you've reached it to this point, thank you for doing it. And um, we are going to do our best of 2021. That would be our episode for next week. And I am super excited to do it. Um, I think it's going to be thrilling. I'm as eager as everybody else is to hear what Eric's number one pick is. And um, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. I don't know how we're going to format it. We'll figure that out. We'll figure out how we're going to like announce which ones and if we're going to do like you know like a countdown. Sure. You know? But let let me ask mm-hmm. you this question. Uh, have we ever formatted any of our no, podcasts? It's, we just no, I know. Head. And you know what's funny is because I've listened to all these podcasts so many times. You know how many <laughs> times at the start of episodes, I'm like, okay, we're going to do something different today. And I'm like, we're not doing something different today. We do, <laughs> we just, it's, I'll be like, oh, it's a change from a normal style of episode. I'm like, what? Like, no, we don't have a set pattern, really. <laughs> really. We don't. <laughs> we're, ca- we're, we're controlled chaos. Yeah, we are. we are. Well, except when we have Zach on the show and then that's just pure chaos. That is that is pure. That's pure. Yeah, the southern gentleman when he gets in, whew, legend, <laughs> legend. We, I didn't see the southern gentleman today, unfortunately. Hopefully, I'll see him tomorrow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll not bore you any longer. Have a great night. Um, great day. If you're driving to work, have a great shift at work. If you're driving home, have a good evening when you get home. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Mm-hmm.